What is up, ladies and gentlemen? This is Muted More, and I am your guy still. Yes, Dan Dudziak. Fucking welcome back, boys and girls. How in the hell is everybody doing? I hope you're all well, healthy, staying safe, doing your part, etc., etc. Uh, doing all right over here in my neck of the woods, anyway. Uh, just getting back from a month-long vacation, and I'll tell you what, it went by like that. Uh, did a little bit of soul searching, did a little bit of life reassessment, for if you will, I guess, and definitely did some traveling. Also had my my heavy dose of R and R, rest and relaxation, which again was much needed. Shit was absolutely fantastic. But again, daddy's back. He's back grinding, uh, back to work for real tomorrow, back here today with you guys, vibing, hanging, shooting the shit, unfolding the world's uh, toughest questions, whether they're hypothetical or, or sports or whatever. Um, but I will say, got a whole bunch of, of new shit on the ledger for you guys coming up in weeks to come. Uh, new topics, new guests, some new some old guests, um, me by myself, as you guys like, from what I understand. Uh, either way, bunch of new stuff on the ledger. Uh, can't wait for you guys to hear it. And again, for us to vibe and shoot the shit. Uh, as for today, episode 15 is here. And I have compiled a list of sports hot takes, if you will, to questions that are frequently asked, but nobody really seems to have the answer to. But here I am trying to unfold sports toughest questions. It's tough to explain, um, but when I get started, you'll you'll see what I mean. And, and as I move along, before I start the list, though, a little bit about my vacation and more importantly the traveling aspect of it. Because again, as I've said before, I'm a huge traveler. I love to come and go and do and see, and that's exactly what we did for about 10, 12 days of, of this month long vacation. Uh, again, as you know from Buffalo. So we took a nice four and a half hour drive up to the Adirondack Mountains, Lake Placid area. If you know anything about that area, uh, very scenic, very fucking beautiful, you guys. Like gorgeous uh, backdrops, mountains and, and lakes and creeks and absolutely unbelievably relaxing. Um, so again, we stayed in the Lake Placid area. Um, Lake Placid was the home of two summer, no. Summer, winter, Olymp I don't know what it was. 1932, 1980. Um, two Olympics were held in Lake Placid, either way. Uh, so we took a ride up to downtown Lake Placid. And we walked around the Olympic concourse area that, might I add, is still in very good shape from the, I mean, obviously 1932 was a long time away, but the 1980 games, all the country's flags are still up. The track pavilion is still up. Then they have the Olympic concourse building with a museum and things of that nature. Uh, if you know anything about the 1980 Olympics and sports and movies, all things that I'm a huge fucking fan of, you would know that the United States of America, men's hockey team specifically, completed one of sports, if not the biggest, sports miracle by beating Team Russia or the USSR back then. Either way, the Team Russia men's hockey team was a perennial fucking powerhouse. And if you 
read any articles or you ask anybody, you would think that the United States were out of their element. And if you've seen the movie Miracle, you know exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. So fast forward to this concourse area, me and the old lady walk in and there is a sign pointing to the right that says 1980 ice rink. So I say, sign me to fuck up. I don't care if I have to pay to get in, right? We walk up to the doors and I'll post a picture for you guys to see something along the lines across the top of the door in like silver block lettering. It says home of the greatest sports miracle ever in the 20th century. Fucking my hair on my arms are standing up as we speak. So we walk through the doors and there I am standing on the second level of the rink where the United States of America beat the USSR, Team Russia, whatever the fuck you want to call them, and then went on to win the gold medal in the men's hockey tournament of the 1980 Olympics. Fucking unbelievable as far as, again, the Lake Placid Olympic concourse area was concerned. So after that, we said, well, we're in the Adirondacks. What are, what are our options for hiking? Well, we had hundreds. So I said, well, we go hiking quite a bit in, in our neck of the woods, again, Letchworth State Park and a whole mess of other trails and, and things like that around us. It's big around here. I said, let's challenge ourselves. You know, the website with all of the trails and mountains and, you know, hikes on them tell you if they're easy, uh, moderate. Uh, I think there was hard and then there was another one, impossible or whatever the fuck it was. So I'm like, I'm not going impossible, but I'd also don't want to be bored. I want to challenge myself. So let's go hard. Um, so we decided on Whiteface Mountain and I knew nothing about fucking Whiteface Mountain prior to this hike, but we packed up our backpacks. We packed up our camelbacks full of water. We had our little snackies and we laced up our shoes and away we went. Showed up at the trail at uh, nine o'clock. I think it was. I didn't crawl into bed from that hike until 10 after 6 p.m. We ended up hiking a total of 15-ish, 15, 15 and a half miles that day. Made Whiteface Mountain my bitch. And I don't, <laughs> I don't necessarily know that I would recommend it to anybody. If you're into scenic, if you're into fitness, if you are into pushing yourself to the limit, uh, then it's for you, for sure. I like to stay active. I like to stay fit. I don't necessarily eat well, but again, I try and stay active and in shape. Um, but even then my, my old lady likes to eat and, and eat well and work out. And we were, we were tested, but I will say that if I ever were to return to the Adirondack mountains, I don't necessarily know that I would do whiteface again. I would find something comparable, maybe even a little more difficult, but plan a little bit better, uh, better footwear, a little more water, a couple more, uh, fueling snacks in my backpack, if you will. Either way, beautiful, scenic. I took a, a video or my old lady took a video on our GoPro. Like I said, I'll post pictures and videos for you guys to see it and appreciate it. It, it was absolutely unbelievable. Still feeling it a little bit. Back's a little tight. Still knees are a little, little torched. But again, I would absolutely do it again. And dare I say, search for a, a tougher hike. Uh, so after we had our little stay in a nice cottage in the Adirondacks. We drove up to good old Boston, Boston, Massachusetts. What a wicked good time that was, boys. That was fucking terrible, and I don't care. Um, went there. Her grandmother lives right outside of Boston. Visited, gave some hugs and kisses. Uh, hit up Salem, which was sick as fuck. Salem, Massachusetts is a 
fantastic, cool, pretty little town. Um, I'm not big into fucking witchcraft or, or anything like that. But again, you, you got to be living under a rock if you don't know even the slightest bit about the Salem witch trials. So I wanted to go look around. We walked around cemeteries. We toured the witch house, which was, you know, the main focal point during this, you know, 1630s, 1640s, whatever it was. Uh, so that was really, really cool. Unfortunately, no pictures in there. Uh, they told us we couldn't take picture and video. And I didn't want to be the one as to why uh, a famous piece of paper fucking crumbled after my picture with Flash set it on fire or a fucking witch found me or whatever the fuck it was. Uh, so that was really, really cool. Again, if you've never been, I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, a couple days later, we drove into, again, good old downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, walked around, you know, hit up some shops, got a couple hot dogs, uh, took some pictures, a couple pictures, two, three, eight of them. Uh, I actually just put one up on my Instagram. If you guys follow me, you've seen it. That was me standing in front of Fenway Park, flipping the camera off, as in saying, fuck the Red Sox, because that's a, a motto I live my life by. You know what? It's going to rain today in Buffalo. Great. Fuck the Red Sox. <laughs> no. But again, again, uh, Fenway, as much as I hate the Red Sox, top three best in, in prettiest ballparks in, in Major League Baseball. I'd be pressed to think of any other ones that are better. The only one that comes to mind is Wrigley, but that's a conversation for a different day. Um, finally, left Boston, again, gave her grandmother hugs and kisses. You know, uncle, uncle's old lady, kids, everybody. We drove to Cooperstown, New York. And that is the home of the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. The old lady had never been there. I was kind of dumbfounded by that a little bit. But I had been numerous of times, and I knew there were a couple new busts that I wanted to see, maybe a couple exhibits, you know, some additions, what have you. It was not crowded because of COVID regulations, quote unquote, which was super dope because I was able to kind of walk and come and go as I pleased as long as I had my mask on. Uh, the old lady learned a lot, I think. A couple cool pictures. Again, flipping off the the Houston Astros locker that's in there. Fucking amazing. Uh, so much history, right? Again, I had been probably three, four times with uh, a buddy of mine and then my family the other times. Um, and going back this time, again, you see the new plaques, the new busts that are in the, the main showroom, if you will. Two of which being two Yankee greats, uh, Mike Mussina and, of course, Mariano Rivera. So, again, super fucking cool. The whole town of Cooperstown is fucking cool. Um, so much history, everything in that city or town even screams baseball. And uh, again, if you know me, if you've heard a bunch of my stories and, and my mindset as far as sports and baseball and things like that, you know, I'm in my fucking glory when I'm standing in the middle of Cooperstown. If you've never been again, I absolutely 100% highly, highly recommend it. Okay. So now the task at hand, episode 15, again, the hot takes for some of sports toughest questions. If that's confusing to you again, after question number two or three, you 100% will have an idea of what I'm referring to. Also, I put some feelers out probably two months ago for, for people to submit me questions. So these, uh, there's 10 of them. Yeah, 10 of them. I got hundreds and I'm very thankful and very appreciative of that. But for time's sake and for attentiveness sake, um, I chose 10, 10 that were, were good sounding to me. So without further ado, number one, what is the greatest individual record in sports? That's a really good place to start. 
Um, right off the jump, you think of Wilt Chamberlain's 100-point game. Do you honestly, truly think that he'll ever get touched? Well, uh, a man by the name of Kobe Bryant uh, was damn close by dropping 81 not too long ago. Um, RIP, buddy. And happy belated birthday. Um, I, I think you'll see it. Yeah, maybe not in my lifetime, maybe not in any of our lifetimes, but I, I, I think I think you're going to see it. I think, I don't know if a team has to come together and say, all right, you got the hot hand, we're going to feed you the ball. If we lose the game, so be it kind of thing. I don't I don't know how exactly it'll go, um, but, but I think you'll see it. Again, Kobe, in, in today's game, if you will, compared to when Wilt dropped 100, he dropped 81 like it was nothing, you know, he missed X amount of shots. If he would have made half of those misses, who's to say, you know, three, three pointers, that would have put him at 90. I, I definitely think it'll happen. I don't know if it'll be in my lifetime. Maybe my kid, you know, when I have kids, their lifetime, whatever. I, I think it'll happen. Um, what is the greatest individual record in sports? My answer to that is Joe DiMaggio's 56 game hit streak for this reason. Last night, for example, Lucas Giolito from the Chicago White Sox, no hit the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, granted, Pittsburgh Pirates are in shambles, and that pains me to say that because I've always been a huge advocate for the Pittsburgh Pirates, and I've always kind of backed them and, and kind of liked them as far as an NL team is concerned. Now, Joe DiMaggio hit, had a single hit in 56 games consecutively. I couldn't tell you who is closest to that. But what I will tell you is with the pitchers in today's day and age, with injuries in today's day and age, again, you're talking to a fucking Yankees fan. I know everything there is to know about any injury under the fucking sun. Why? Because the whole team is injured at some point in the fucking season. But injuries, pitchers stuff, as they call it, uh, I, I don't know if you'll ever see that ever again. I think that's one of those records that's going to withstand the test of time. So that's my answer. Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hit streak. I would be pressed to think, man, that somebody even comes remotely fucking close. I'd be, again, interested to see who is closest. So DiMaggio obviously at 56, and then who would be number two? I don't know off the top of my head. I'd have to look it up. Um, but I, I still don't think anybody touches that. Again, as the game progresses, as pitchers develop new techniques and better stuff and just pure fucking filth. Again, kudos to you, Lucas Giolito for, for blank in Pittsburgh last night, first one of the season. Um, I don't think you see it ever again. So there's that. Uh, question number two, will Pete Rose ever make it? Um, I'm presuming they're talking about to the hall of fame. And what I will say right off the jump is again, just coming home not too long ago from Cooperstown, Pete Rose has an exhibit like a, his own little showcase in the hall of fame. So how can you justify asking for donations if you're Cooperstown and uh, Major League Baseball? How can you justify getting donations, putting together a shrine, because that's virtually what the fuck it is, and not induct this guy? He did nothing uh, performance enhancing related. Um, he liked the booze a little bit. He sure as fuck liked to gamble. Um, but the dude's got the most hits of all time, 4,256 to be exact. That's the most hits all time out of any fucking player to do it. 
again, it has nothing to do with PEDs, performance enhancing drugs. He would gamble. He would bet on his team to win. So that's added incentive, right? He was, again, kind of going under the table a little bit. And, you know, at the time, gambling was frowned upon. What? Who fucking cares? Uh, It was added incentive for the team to win. It was added incentive for him and his teammates to play better. I absolutely 100% think Pete Rose should make it. The keyword there is should. Um, I think he makes it as soon as Barry Bonds makes it. I think Pete Rose and Barry Bonds make it as soon as Mark McGuire makes it. Sammy Sosa, Rafael Palmero, the list goes on and on with all guys that were PED related. I think they're going to lump it into one category uh, as far as cheating, quote unquote, is concerned. Uh, I think Pete Rose absolutely got snubbed. He's been getting snubbed for years. I think he should make it. Hopefully I see it in my lifetime because, uh, again, dude deserves it. You know, 4,200 hits in his career most all time would steal a base. Phenomenal player, phenomenal defensive player. I think he should, and I hope he does. That's for sure. Question number three, BCS playoff tournament or NFL playoff format for college football? It's a good question. Um, you know, as much as I, I love seeing the bowl games, um, you know, and then the uh, college football playoff is its own separate entity, quote unquote. I think they should expand. It. I, I think they should broaden it. Um, more teams, you know, that don't ever see each other, you know, competitively would get a chance to see each other. They would get a chance to play each other. You would see upsets just like you do in NCAA basketball for the tournament. There's so many teams and granted it's one and done. Great. Fine. But you got the one in 16. I don't think it's ever happened where 16 is taken down to one in basketball, but do something like that. I'm not saying do 64 fucking teams with four play-ins for football, but do the NFL playoff format. Do, you know, Eight, give two the two top, you know, kind of split it down the middle or whatever. Give two top teams a bye and then your play-ins and kind of go from there. You know, you got your your top four, which I'm not saying that it's biased, but, you know, this would give other teams, again, a, a, a crack at it. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, if UB has a University of Buffalo, for people that don't know what that is, uh, they're in the MAC conference, not a big name uh, conference or, or program or what have you. If they went undefeated and there was a, a 10 team, you know, college football playoff, they would get some recognition, you know, UCF that year. You mean to tell me that fucking UCF would have stood a chance against Alabama? Well, UCF won undefeated that year and won their bowl game. Who's to say? Who is to say? Alabama was supposed to be the powerhouse for 10, 12, 15 years. And then a guy by the name of uh, Debo Sweeney. Dabo Sweeney, whatever the fuck his name is, Trevor Lawrence and the the, the Clemson University football team said, uh-uh, nope, there, there, there's a new sheriff in town, right? Um, my vote for this is to absolutely expand it and absolutely broaden it. Again, makes for better matchups or maybe not so much, but again, trial and error, if you will. Whether or not it, it makes for better ratings, I, I would imagine, again, people's teams would get chosen and you know, have an opportunity to play for the college football championship. Um, you would just have to lower the amount of bowl games and, and kind of set up your scheduling accordingly. Again, less popular teams won't get snubbed any longer. 
So I'm saying kind of switch it up a little bit, maybe not make it as big as the, the NCAA basketball tournament, but definitely kind of put it along the same route of that, if you will. Uh, question number four, DH or no DH? That is designated hitter in Major League Baseball. The DH or no DH? So as a resident Yankees fan, I absolutely love the designated hitter position. It gives them an opportunity to get a hot bat in the lineup if they want to put somebody else at a, a position, if you will. Um, it also gives them a chance where if they feel as though they may have rushed back for an injury from an injury and they just want them to kind of swing a bat, you know, and again, it's an American League matchup game and both teams have a DH. It gives them an opportunity, again, stack their lineup, kind of get an extra bat in the lineup because um, chances are a pitcher comes up to hit, you're going to write them off. But this is where I completely contradict that. As a baseball guy in general, no DH, no designated hitter has quite an appeal to me because if you're an American League team like the New York Yankees, unless you are playing interleague play, which only happens a handful of times a year, um, pitchers don't hit unless they get to the World Series. And that's interesting because there's no reps. I mean, granted, there's practice, but that's, you know, 60 mile an hour meatballs getting thrown in there and kind of treated as a joke, I'd have to presume. Again, you got your guys like Bartolo Colon and, you know, I think uh, Mad Bum ha has a homer and hits well. A lot of the National League guys hit well because they do it often, right? Clayton Kershaw always has a helmet and a bat because, again, National League pitcher usually goes six, seven innings average, probably a start. So he's going to get two, three at bats a game. It has an appeal to me because of the pitchers hitting, period. It's kind of entertaining to watch a little bit. Um, you know, somebody dropping in a nasty curveball or a changeup and watching a pitcher look fucking stupid. Or they, again, like Bartolo Colon, Mad Bum, pitchers of that nature that have hit home runs in the past, just absolutely hit a fucking cock shot off another pitcher. It It's added incentive for teams to create a different game plan as well if there was no DH. Um, you know, you see some teams, sometimes I've seen it before, put their pitchers hitting eighth. So that way you put a positional player who's used to hitting at nine, spark it up for the top of the order. I get it, right? Bunting, you know, sacrifices, things like that. I like it. Um, so I'm kind of torn as far as that goes. Again, as a Yankees fan of DH is dope because you got an opportunity to use all the firepower that you have, but no DH has an appeal that kind of tickles me the right way as well. So question number five. Who is the biggest bust in sports history? I absolutely 100% love that fucking question. Who is the biggest bust in sports history? There's been a litany. Um, I'm trying to think of the ones that I kind of have been around for. Uh, okay, so here's one. NBA, Detroit Pistons, they select Darko Milicic. There's a fucking name for you. Um, highly touted coming into the league that year. I don't know if anybody knows this or if you do kudos to you. The Pistons chose Milicic over Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, and Carmelo Anthony. Let that sink in for a minute, considering the three names that I just said that the Pistons took Darko over Bosh, Wade, Mello. That's fucking crazy. Crazy. Those three guys are bonafide hall of famers. I can bet a good amount of money that Darko Milicic will never see the hall ever. <laughs> um, another one 
and probably one of the more popular ones answers to this question would be Jamarcus Russell. Uh, big fucking guy, sloppy, big, overweight, disgusting fuck, right? Oakland drafts him. Everyone's like, what the fuck are you doing? Right. Duke can throw 75 yards. No problem. Give him the time of day. You, you need a Hail Mary. That's your fucking guy. I don't know where the ball is going, but you need a ball thrown 75 yards. Jamarcus Russell is your man. Big kid. Again, not really mobile because, again, he was kind of fat and sloppy and certainly couldn't hit a four-yard fucking slant if his life and, obviously, as his career depended on it. Uh, back to the NBA. Here's another one for you. The Blazers. They selected Sam Bowie over Michael Jordan. I'm going to give you two seconds to let that one sink in, more so than the Bosch Wade Mellow debacle with Darko. Blazers select Sam Bowie over Michael Jordan. What the fuck? I don't even know who Sam Bowie is. I would be curious to look at statistics, comparisons, etc., etc., because that shit fucking blows my mind. So, what do the Blazers do? Fast forward, you know, 20 years. They select Greg Oden over Kevin Durant. As an organization, you should be penalized for not one stupid decision, but fucking two stupid decisions. Because Greg Oden, he was a mess coming right in. And the, the Seattle Supersonics at the time were licking their fucking chops because Durant absolutely should have gone one, fell right into their lap, boom, done. Obviously, he's come and gone. He's in Brooklyn now. He got hurt. He was in Golden State. He kind of had a, a change of heart. He got a little more tough, which I can't say I really liked. Um, he surrounded himself with glad hatting yes men, you know, Draymond Green, who's a punk, um, Steph Clay, whatever, you know, whatever. Wanted a, he wanted a ring. You know, I, I can I can appreciate chasing a ring, but be you. You know, his acceptance speech, crying about his mom, saying he loves his mom. That That's the KD I like. Very humble, very, you know, good natured. You know, he kind of got a little chip on his shoulder, if you will, when he went to Golden State and then to Brooklyn as well. And then the last one that I just thought of too, um, biggest bust, one of the biggest busts in the NFL, Ryan Leaf. Granted, he wasn't a number one pick. He didn't get selected over a man by the name of Peyton Manning. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Um, definitely made my top five greatest football players of all time list, though. <clears throat> but, okay. So, I believe it was the 1998 draft, perhaps. Uh, Peyton Manning went first to the Colts. Ryan Leaf went second to the Chargers. So, compare their careers. Compare their lives, even. Peyton Manning, huge ambassador to the game. One of the greatest to ever do it. Um, super, super successful while playing the game. And then again, now that he's, you know, stepped away from the game, still uh, an ambassador for sure. Ryan Leaf, first and foremost, talked a tremendous amount of shit about the Indianapolis Colts pre-draft. So there's your first fucking mistake, just like Eli, Eli Manning's father and Peyton, whatever. Um, he talked a lot of shit about the Colts and then, Proceeded to do fucking nothing. You know, a guy by the name of Drew Brees came into the league. Great. Okay. But Ryan Leaf did absolutely fucking nothing. Nothing. And then later on in his life, he developed a fucking cocaine addiction and a heroin addiction and liked to punch his wife in the face, et cetera, et cetera, in and out of jail. Just leaps and bounds, apples and oranges between the two of them. So there's a couple of the biggest busts in sports history. Again, I probably forgot a million of them. And again, if you have any, please send them to me. 
But that's just a couple that kind of stand out to me. All right, next up, we have number six. <laughs> I'm going to take a breather before I ask and answer this question because I'm about to get fired the fuck up regarding this question. All it says was draft lottery, question mark. I don't know which one of my friends did it. I don't know which one of my acquaintances did it, but you're not going to be a friend of mine anymore. You're not going to be an acquaintance of mine anymore. Uh, draft lottery, question mark. It's the dumbest fucking thing in the world. Dumbest fucking thing in the world of sports. Dumb. Fucking dumb. Let teams tank. No, we don't want teams to tank because they're going to get the top. Fuck you. <laughs> if teams want to tank, let them fucking tank. It has been proven time in and time out that it doesn't fucking matter if teams tank. The Cleveland Browns, as I have expressed numerous of times before, had fuck eight top five picks in a row consecutively. And what the fuck have they done with any of those top five picks? Any, any of them. Not a fucking thing. If the Cleveland Browns were tanking, it don't matter because it hasn't helped them whatsoever. The New England Patriots are the New England Patriots. They drafted Tom Brady in the seventh fucking round. Or, you know, whatever. And he's a, a, arguably the greatest football player of all time. Let teams tank. The um, Edmonton Oilers, same thing. They got Yakupov, had Yakupov. Fuck that up. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, whatever. Mc Nuggets, McDavid, McJesus, whatever the fuck you want to call him. Kids a stud. Next Gretzky, going to be arguably the best hockey player of all time. Great. Okay. Uh, who else? Taylor Hall. Not even with the fucking team anymore. How in God's name does this team get four? Yakupov, McDavid. Yeah. Four number one picks in this lottery. And still not amount to anything. Because don't get me wrong. Uh, the Blackhawks fucking walked them in this year's playoff tournament. Granted, Chicago's no longer with us either. Doesn't fucking matter. They had two of those four players. They fucked Yakupov up. So that's their own problem. And Taylor Hall wasn't happy because he wasn't winning or whatever. He's a bitch. I don't, I don't know. But it's an absolute, as far as the NHL is concerned, it's a money grab because they come up with this brilliant fucking idea this year that they're going to do the draft lottery. And then the number one pick just so happens is going to be one of the teams in the uh, playoff tournament. So, okay. S stupid. So you tune into your television or you tune into your app or whatever. And you see that. Okay. So now you got to tune in again for the second time to see who gets the number one pick. Because God knows I did. Because the team that got the number one pick, I'm not even going to fucking say who they are because I'm beyond furious about it. Um, so I tuned in again for the second time to see who got the number one pick. And then I'm going to tune in for a third time to see what the actual draft result is. If teams make trades, who goes first? Who Detroit gets at fucking number four, mind you? Fuck. Um, I'm going to tune in for a third time. So it's a complete and utter money grab in the NHL. I don't know too much about the NBA draft, draft lottery. I know the Timberwolves are a, a perennial favorite to always get the number one pick too. So I'm sure there's some fuckery going on there as well. 
It's the dumbest fucking thing in the world. If teams want to tank, let them tank. That gives other teams better incentive to draft better, to to scout better, to train better, and, and just be competitive. That's all it is. Again, the Patriots pick at the bottom of the barrel every fucking year because of their success rate. I think it should be like that across the board. If you have the worst record in your sport, you pick first unless you decide to trade it away. Or you're the Houston Astros and you lose your draft picks. <laughs> no. Um, complete and utter stupidity. Don't like it. Never liked it. Fucking fix it. Whew. Okay. And we're back. Uh, question number seven. Who is the best coach right now? Really like that question because it's kind of off kilter. Um, and then how do you measure that? How do you measure uh, success rate? So let's name a couple, right? Greg Popovich for the Spurs. Been around for fucking ever. Uh, he's a complete and utter douchebag, but dude knows the game, right? No, Knows the game of basketball inside out. Uh, who else? Mike Krzyzewski, the head coach of the Duke men's basketball team. Hate Duke. Absolutely cannot stand Duke. But there is no possible way that you can give credit. You cannot give credit where credit is due as far as Coach K is concerned. In my opinion, the best college coach uh, in any sport, let alone basketball, uh, Roy Williams, my man in, in uh, North Carolina, very close second to, to Coach K, uh, another good one. Bill Belichick for the New England Patriots. I don't see how you can bet against him. Um, Major League Baseball doesn't have any. As far as I'm concerned, you know, maybe Joe Torre, but just me throwing out there being a Yankees fan. Uh, Terry Francona, when he was with the Red Sox. Uh, what else? Hockey is kind of, there's a higher transition rate in hockey. You know, not too many tenured coaches anymore anyway. Uh, the coach of Manchester United, uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, I think his name is. You know, Man U is always in the champions cup and a fucking, I don't know what, whatever you want to call it. Um, so there's a couple. Yeah. I don't see how you, I'm, I'm reverting back to Bill Belichick, hate him or love him, hate his game plan, hate him as a person, hate his stupid fucking attitude and his sleeveless hoodies and 20 below zero weather. <laughs> Dude knows the game inside and out and arguably the most successful coach of all time. So without really diving into statistics and win percentages and things like that, I'm, I'm going with Belichick as much as it, it pains me to say, and as much as it probably pains people to hear me say that, uh, Belichick knows his shit inside and out. That's for sure. Uh, so that was seven. So question number eight, game seven of the world series. Who's your starter? Any pitcher all time? Boy, that, that is a tough question because of many reasons. So, Game seven of the World Series, who's your starting pitcher? Can be anybody all time. Well, Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, Roger Clemens, Tom Seaver, Cy Young, Clayton Kershaw, Bob Gibson. Man, there's a ton. Uh, and also, you have to think, what are we talking like game seven this year? Because then you have to take into consideration the Trouts of the league and the Bellingers of the league and the DJ LeMahieu's of the league, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to go old and I'm going to say Nolan Ryan. Um, he had stuff and he played through injuries and he had an attitude anytime anybody ever took him out of the game. 
Um, and that's not me choosing him is not a discredit by any sense of the word to any of the players I just named or ones that I forgot. Steven Strasburg, um, little inconsistent, but probably would have to throw him into the conversation. Pedro Martinez always had an act for pitching pretty well in the postseason. Um, yeah, I'm going Nolan Ryan just again from a success standpoint. Again, no hitters, perfect games, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I think he he's one of very few old time pitchers, if that's old time, if that's how you want to describe it. Um, one of very few that could probably hack it in baseball today. If you were to superimpose him in a uniform today in his prime, you know, against the Yankees, say. I think he would, I think he'd do all right. I think he could hack it for, for a year, or, you know, maybe not have four, five, six, eight, 12, no hitters, however many he had, um, and a huge strikeout to walk ratio. I think he'd be able to hack it. So game seven of the world series, I'm putting Nolan Ryan on, on the bump and we're going to see what fucking happens. Uh, question number nine, is the NFL getting soft? I don't It's kind of broad. So let's, I don't know. Let's kind of dig a little deeper into that. Is the NFL getting soft? It is absolutely getting soft in pass interference calls. That's one thing that fucking pisses me off. You can review those all you want. Um, but at the end of the day, a pass interference call is a, a bang, bang play. Push offs are, are stupid. Um, unless it's fucking blatant where a guy's tugging on somebody's, you know, back end of his Jersey or, you know, grab somebody by the throat or, you know, where a, a middle linebacker covers a, a slant route over the middle and he just literally runs right through Cole Beasley or, or a slot receiver, for example, that's fucking pass interference. That's cut and dry. That's blatant. So it's getting soft as far as that goes. Hits to the head. I don't think we're getting soft as far as, as that goes. You have some BS targeting penalties, but as soon as you implement a, a rule like that, I think, it's very difficult to come back from that. It's very difficult to, how do I say this? Soften it <laughs> using the same word. Um, if you're going to implement a rule such as targeting to prevent CTE, to prevent blows to the head, it's going to suck, right? Again, you got guys like, you know, Ray Lewis would be taking targeting penalties all the time because that dude had, there was no second gear for him. It was balls out. No questions asked hundred percent of the time. Um, uh, CTE is a real thing. You know, I've read a lot of articles. I have watched a lot of documentaries about guys that um, suffer from that, died from that, and it sucks. That That's definitely one of the poor aspects of the game of football. Um, you know, I, was, I remember being a kid being at the Bills-Broncos game when Kevin Everett, the incident with him happened. And granted, it wasn't targeting per se. That's... That's what you're trying to prevent, right? By by targeting penalties, by hit to the head penalties, by you know uh, increased padding in helmets. You know, Wes Walker. I, I remember seeing the, the inside of his helmet with all the padding and shit that he had from all the concussions he had. Um, so they're not getting soft as far as that is concerned either. So I guess it's hit or miss. Um, soft with penalties, that's for goddamn sure. Uh, not soft with hits to the head or or anything like that. Um, so yeah. It, that's just kind of scratching the surface a little bit. And obviously you could dig deeper into it, but I digress. And finally, question number 10. No, it's not even really a question. So this is, this is what number 10 is Washington football team. 
I'm presuming you're asking my opinion. So my opinion on, okay, let me backtrack. The Washington football team is now the former Washington Redskins. And unless you've been, again, living under a rock, or you're not a big football person, um, the Washington Redskins have been around for fucking ever. And that's been their team name. And they've had the Indian logo. And they had their pregame stuff where uh, somebody of Native American descent would come out on a horse or whatever. That's somebody's heritage, dude. I understand there's always there's always a snowflake that's going to get pissed off about something in this world because we as a population have allowed that to happen. I'm not saying you need to go around using poor language and racial slurs. And I'm not turning this into race by any sense of the word, but I'm not saying you go walk around doing that free of charge, no consequences for your actions. But the Redskins have been around forever. Why all of a sudden, um, in today's day and age with everything that's going on with the, you know, people's opinions about the president and racial injustice and things like that. Why all of a sudden is the Washington Redskins offensive all of a sudden, but it wasn't 10 years ago or 15 years ago or five years ago. Couldn't tell you. And maybe it's easy for me to say as a Caucasian male, um, it wasn't offensive to me. You know, I haven't really done my homework as to what red skin means as far as a, a derogatory term towards people of Native American descent. And I apologize for that. Um, but it, it wasn't offensive to anybody five years ago. And, okay, so on the other side of the coin, you switch the name to the Washington football team. Zero points credited for creativity. That's for fucking sure. The NHL just expanded and came out with the Seattle Kraken, which is fucking sick. Their colorway is sick. Their mock uniforms look sick. Everything about it is fucking amazing. But I'm offended because their stadium is going to say the crack house. It's fucking stupid. I'm a fan of the Seattle Kraken, so that makes me a crackhead. I'm offended by that. Shut the fuck up. That's, it blows my mind that this wasn't a concern five years ago, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, as I said. And here we are. And more importantly, you don't name them the, name an animal, the narwhals, the fucking, the whales. Pick something. Pick something to, to name this fucking football team. You kept the same colorway, which I've always liked Washington's colorway with the, the maroon, gold, and, and white. But if you're going to change the name because of it being derogatory to a group of people, I can understand that. But why now? Why didn't it happen 5, 10, 12 years ago? Because people all of a sudden just didn't say, oh, I'm offended by this. And more importantly, give them a name, like a name name, right? The you know, the Bengals, the Bill, you got all these, t- the Jaguar, and pick an animal. Pick an animal. The Tigers. You got the Lions. Why not the Tigers? Washington Tigers. Boom. Done. <laughs> Soft. I-, I don't get it. But again, I digress. I probably sound a little insensitive, but again, it, 
it is what it is. I, I'm just very confused as to why it took this long for them to realize that it was offensive and for them to change it. Oh, well. Okay. That's 10, again, of sports hot takes, if that's what you want to call it. Um, I'm sure there's 10,000 more of them. And as I've always said, if you have a good one that haven't been named or I didn't name in this list, because again, I chose from quite a few of them, uh, get it to me. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, right here on Anchor. Text me, call me, don't matter. Uh, check out my Instagram for the pictures that I said I was going to post. Um, and again, if you got anything, any input, again, you guys have been super good about it and I couldn't be more appreciative of it. Uh, as I said earlier, I have a ton of new content coming when weeks to come, months to come, whatever you want to say. Uh, thank you for the continued support. I know I've been kind of MIA incognito for a little over a month now. Um, and I'm super apologetic of that, but I also need to say that I needed to take time for myself and kind of remove myself from the world. I thoroughly enjoy doing this with you guys as much as I hope you guys enjoy listening and I enjoy getting your input as much as you love giving it to me. Um, but again, I needed some R and R. So again, I apologize for the hiatus, but again, we're back on the grind. We're back at it. Uh, new guests coming up, you know, a bunch of new shit. Again, just stay tuned. Keep the faith. You know, trust the process. Go Bills. Uh, hopefully, I'm able to go to a game this year. Uh, stay tuned because we're back full throttle, straight up. Until next time, as I always say, stay safe, stay well, stay healthy. We're going to do this again real soon. I absolutely promise no more month-long hiatuses. <laughs> Peace. Thank you.